0: Thank you, ladies. That was a blessing. You know I feel like an experiment up here. <laughs> what Bible's school to be such a blessing. I'm grateful for all of you that love children and want to tell them that God loves them. Grateful for that. And uh, you know, I'm also grateful that although life is crazy and people are hurt and they think we're after them, really we if we're chasing them it's because we're running with them toward God. Because that is the only place that you're going to find what you need. That's the gospel. That's what it's about. We're going to look this morning um, at Abram and, and his nephew and a choice that had to be set before him. As we start out, though, I want us to look at where Abram ran after he fell flat on his face. It was a disaster for him, but he didn't stay there. Uh, turn with me to... Genesis chapter 13. We're going to be going through the chapter, but for a reading, I just want to read the first four verses. So, as is our practice, may we stand in God's honor. To pay tribute to the King of Kings, as we read from His Word, it says that the Scripture, as God breathes, comes from the very mouth of God. Genesis 13, verses 1-4. through 4. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we come to you, we all have our insecurities, but our hope is not based on our achievement, but it's based upon you. The fact that the grave could not hold you. The fact that you are alive. The fact that you are at the right hand of the Father and you are praying on our behalf. Oh God, we are so blessed. May we live in that blessing. And may others see that blessing, Father, that is not of us, but you in us, Father, to this crazy world. And we just love you and we thank you that, Jesus, you are a friend of sinners. And we know that we, too, have that struggle. But you've come. And, Father, guide us in this message. Uh, May we continue to worship you because that's why we are here In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Abram heard from God, and he set off following God to a place. He didn't know where he was going, but he was following God's lead to go to a place that God had promised. It it was a land, a special land we call the promised land. And as he started out that journey, as we looked at, he started off with worship. But then there came a test, it was a famine, and instead of listening to God, he came up with his own plan, and it was a disaster, and there was a lot of hurt because of that. His wife and his family were hurt, and he heads out from there, and that's where we were last week, and as we come to our text today, these first four verses, we pick up what Abram does next. After he finds himself broken. This man of God, this friend of God, who messed everything up. And what a blessing to know that when we mess everything up, there's somewhere to go. Look at our text here. It says, um, he went up from Egypt and he starts backtracking. He heads to the Negev. He goes from Egypt and he goes to the Negev. This is the desert area where the famine first began. This is where the test came. This is where he didn't listen to God. This is where he came up with his own plan and it was a disaster. But he's backtracking. He goes from that place of testing. He stops there. And I think at that point he reminisces and he says, Oh God, why didn't I listen to you? God, why didn't I get on my face before you? Why didn't I seek you in this test? And and it says, from there, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, turn with me to the previous chapter, chapter 12, and, and we see... As he first started out, as we see, he backtracked. and It's interesting here. Um, the first altar that we discover in chapter 12 is not the one at, between Bethel and I. But it's one at Shechem. Uh, starting at verse 6, it says, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. You know, those scary enemies there. But the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This is the first place he built an altar. He, he came and he heard from the Lord and he stopped and he built an altar. But what was different is it, it, here. He, he talks about um, that he came to Bethel. And I. this is the place that stands out. This is the place that he mentions what's different about this place. As we go on, as we read, it says, verse 8, From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord. He did that already, right? The other place. And called on the name of the Lord. And then he set out. The difference was... He, he first, he heard the promise and he built an altar. And he goes to the next place and he's had time to think about the promise. But then the insecurity comes in him. And the next time when he builds the altar, he calls out to the Lord. He calls out to the Lord for help. Now, that's where he ran. He, he, he had two altars, but the altar that was in his mind, the place he really ran to was the place where he called out to God. And isn't it wonderful to know that when that test comes and we fail it miserably, at least in our minds, that we can backtrack and that we can remember and that we can head to those previous altars where we cried out to God and in a powerful way He revealed Himself to us. And uh, I don't know what the different struggles here are today. I know that it's getting to the point where I'm not shocked by much of anything because uh, I have seen so much pain and so many people that are broken. And it doesn't matter if you're whatever your position is in the church or how close you may appear to other people as far as your relationship with God. The fact of the matter is we can all fall. And Abram, he's this God's friend. He's this man of faith. and He fell. But what did he do? He ran back to the place where he called out to God. And, and guys, that's what we need to do as well. And, and that is the message that should be our heartbeat. Not that we have arrived, but that we know where to go to find that mercy and that grace. And we need to remember, we don't go back and remember that time where God forgave us of our sins. That first encounter, that transforming power of Jesus Christ. And, and too often, we're, we're just in the desert. And and too often we've fallen down and we're feeling sorry for ourselves or or we're crushed or we're beating ourselves up. And God says, head back to me. Remember that I've saved you. Remember that I love you. And remember that's enough. Now we move from there and we're introduced to his nephew Lot. Look at verse 5. It says, now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. We, We read about Abram after. He had messed everything up. What did he do? He he ran to that place of worship and he cried out to God and he called to him. And evidently Lot was there, but we don't read anything about Lot calling out to God. And I have to say this because when the tests come, it's important that right now we get on our faces each and every day before God. And say, God, I am weak. And God, I do not want to go through this alone. And I do not want to step in the wrong place. I don't want to say the wrong thing. God, I want you to direct me. You know, the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He'll do what? He'll direct your paths or He'll make your path straight. You know, that's, that's the heartbeat. That's the call. Lot had watched his uncle as he cried out to God. But it doesn't say anything of him crying out to God himself. Um, it, It says in the scripture here, the blessings, the material blessings, the land could not support both of these guys and their families and all the herds and everything that they owned. It says, while they stayed together, the land could not support them for their possessions were so great, they were not able to stay together. So what happened? It was the test of heaven. Stuff and lots of stuff. Most of us say, test me, Lord, test me. Give me some of those goodies. I want to know what it's like to have all this stuff and have all this money. And, and of course, there's a difference between awning things and things awning you. So what happened in this instance? Notice what it says in the text. Uh, verse 7, a quarreling arose between Abram's herdsman and the herdsman of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in land that. What happened? They started arguing because they had so much stuff. There was only so much grass, grass for the livestock. And, and they were crowded together. And, and, and sometimes the things we think are a blessing, we lose our way. And we think they're the blessing instead of the one who gave, gave that to us. And and trouble is a result of that. This is not about adversity. It's about prosperity. It's about misreading what matters and what lasts. And it's too easy in those circumstances to get too high an opinion of ourselves. It's too easy to think, well, look at all I've got. Look at what I deserve. Look at what I've earned. And then not cry out to God. And then we find ourselves where we never dreamed we would be. Because we lose track of God and, and following Him. Matter of fact, it's interesting here in this text um, where it says that they had all these possessions. The w- very word there from the Hebrew word um, is the word heavy. They were heavy with possessions. They were heavy with herds. They were heavy with blessings. We'd say they were loaded. Both of them, both their families were. Loaded. Isn't it interesting here, um, as this unfolds, I, I want you to see the, the heart of Abram and, and Lot and the difficulty that lies ahead here. Uh, Abram speaks to his nephew. He says, is it, not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. <laughs> if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. I'll go wherever you don't want to go, Lot. So look what Lot did. Verse 10, Lot looked up. He saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards (sighs) Zor. This this was a a land that that was beautiful to look at. Man, it it, it was captivating to the eye and and the dreams of what it would be like to live there. It was paradise. Of course, look at the next little phrase here. I've got in parentheses. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So it wasn't what he expected. He looked around and what he saw he wanted. Being rich is not the issue, but being greedy is the issue. It's not having, it's coveting more. You know, my grandfather used to say, I don't know how many times I've said this, but I think about it all the time. He said, I'm not greedy. All I want is my land and what joins it. And, you know, Rockefeller used to say, they asked him one time, you know, one of the wealthiest men alive in his day, they said, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. And, and that's what we're talking about. That greed, And as he looked around, that's where the answer lies. It, you know, that place... Have that. Live it there. Um, You know, that's that's heaven. That that's that's where on earth, that's where I I, I need to be. And, And you know, it's interesting as you look at, I mean, let's face it, all of us know what it's like in a family when somebody dies and they leave something. Oh boy. Suddenly people who got along began arguing over. This is mine. I have seen so much hurt over that. My family too, guys. in, in families. This, this greed that can come apart, that can tear people apart. And Abram says, you know, I don't want to be torn apart over stuff. So Lot makes his decision as he looks out and they part ways. Verse 14 says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted, Lift up your eyes from where you are. Look north and south, east and west. All the land you see, I'll give you an offspring forever. He renews that covenant he had made. He says, your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. (laughs) So that anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. He's saying those words after he said a lot. You go. (laughs) You go. What looks good to you. you. You take what you want. What is, how's the way to fight that greed to not go that direction in that kind of decision? Generosity. God does something when we live with open hands instead of tight clutching what we have. Uh, with generosity, that he works in our lives. Lee Strobel, um, who's written a book called a Case for Christianity and several other books that speak on um, defending the faith. Christian faith, and he used to work for the Chicago Tribune. He was an atheist, a reporter, who had no time for God, Christianity. He thought it was all just fairy tales. And he, he tells a story um, that it was Christmas Eve, and he was sitting at his desk, and he began thinking about how crazy and busy it was, everybody buying stuff last minute for Christmas. And he thought about a month earlier of a story he had written. He was doing a series of articles about the poorest people in the city of Chicago. And he did an article on a family, the Delgado family. A grandmother by the name of Perfecta and her two uh, granddaughters, Lydia and Jenny, 13 and 11. And he said when he went into their roach and fested apartment had been burned out and they had moved to a tiny two-room apartment in its stead. He said he walked in, there was no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the walls, only a small table and a handful of rice. That was all that they had. He said the two girls each had a simple dress and one sweater that they would share on cold days. They walked a half mile to school together and about halfway they would one would take the sweater off and give it to her sister to finish the rest of the way said what amazed him about the Delgados uh, was their love for Christ. They didn't feel forsaken. They didn't feel like God didn't love them. And he was intrigued by that. And as he thought about them, he said, I'm going to go to the Delgados' home. So he, he got in his car and he drove to the Delgados and he walked in their house and he looked around he couldn't believe it. Their, ha- their little apartment was fully furnished, had nice stuff in there, and they had several thousand dollars. And what had happened, he had written this article and people were so moved by the Delgados that they went over there and gave them all this stuff. But he said, what moved him more was what he had interrupted. You see, they were in the midst of giving away a lot of what they had been given to their neighbors. They, they were going to take this stuff and, and give it away. And uh, he shared... Um, he asked, uh, he asked them, what are you doing? <laughs> he said he thought about himself. He said, I had everything I needed materially, but I lacked faith. and Inside I felt as empty as that barren apartment that I had first visited. So he, he, he talked to them. He, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you giving away this, all this? And Perfectus said, our neighbors are still in need. We cannot have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. And Lee said, man, that hit me between the eyes. Here was a guy that had so much, and I wouldn't have let go of any of it. I've been hoarding what God had given me. (laughs) And so he asked her, he said, how does this make you feel having all, this, all, all these nice things? And Here's what Perfecta said. She said it's wonderful. Very good. We did nothing to deserve this, Lee. It's a gift from God. But she added, it's not his greatest gift. No, we celebrate that tomorrow. His greatest gift, Lee, is Jesus. So he left that place and uh, he was really Torn over that. Here's in his own words, he said, They had peace despite poverty, while I had anxiety despite plenty. They knew the joy of generosity, while I only knew the loneliness of ambition. They looked heavenward for hope, while I only looked out for myself. They experienced the wonder of spiritual life, while I was shackled to the shallowness of material life. And something made me long for what they had, or more accurately, for the one they knew. And he said because of what he did, he pushed those emotions aside and said, you know, I look for real evidence, not for crazy things like a a virgin birth to believe in. He said, but from that, he began to search for the truth because he couldn't get the Delgados out of his mind. And thus came that book, A Case for Christianity. And thus came a man who, as he searched for truth, discovered the truth is that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the grave and he is alive and he is the greatest gift. And it totally transformed his life. And it all started with the generosity of a family who have far less than any of us. And yet had it all in Christ. A a generosity that came. As we look around us, guys, it's not always what we first see. And we need to cry out to God and say, God, open my eyes, open my mind that I can see what's really here. Help me to not make a decision just more on my comforts. Help me make a decision on you. And what you want of me, God? What you want to do in my life? Be generous. Have to say a plug here. I know here my little clock said it's twelve o'clock. How we can be generous? uh, I got to thinking about Belize and Terry and Samantha, and you know how this year they want parents to have an opportunity to have dignity to give these nice little gifts, so that the parents can be able to get these gifts and and have the dignity to give them to their kids. And all this is in a small way where all of us can be generous so that kids can experience, somebody loves me, somebody cares about me, and, and they see their parents being able to have the pride to give this to them and that my parents love me. It's not about who gives it. It's about God gave and thus we must give. It's that kind of generosity. And, 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 and of course, you know, I encourage all that in our lives. You know, as you look at Lot and, and he headed for this utopia, for this paradise, you know, for this wonderful, beautiful place, he never stopped and said, Well, who lives there? What do they believe? He didn't ask those questions. There's no evidence in here that he spoke to his wife or his kids and said, Do you want to move? Do you want to go there? Who was he thinking about? Himself. It was the big me trip. As he headed out, he didn't consider anybody else but himself. And, and now, here my little portal outline. It's 12 o'clock, and I, I just want to briefly mention these. As we think about decisions, just think about these thoughts. First, always look beyond the positive benefits of a decision. Don't just ask, how will this benefit me? Or how happy will I be? Look deeper. What will I give up? How will it enhance my ability to walk with God? Secondly, never underestimate the impact of negative consequences from the other side of that. What will happen to me when I go to this place? Where will my passion lie? Will it turn my heart away from God or to God? What are the negative consequences of this? Sometimes we get so caught up in something that we see that we don't stop and and cry out to God and say, God, show me what negative consequences might be as a result. Um, Third, forget about only pleasing yourself. There's other people involved. Don't forget them when you make these decisions in your life. Don't forget them. And then lastly, remember um, greater independence and freedom demand the need for stronger personal discipline. Boy, when we make big decisions, we need to take the time not to run into them haphazardly. We need to really uh, seek, we need to research, we need to figure out, you know, both sides of what will happen if I do it, what will happen if I don't. And then ultimately, we need to really pray and say, God, just show me what to do. Um, Someone has said erosion is slow, it is subtle, and it is silent. So we need to ask ourselves, God, am I still close to you or have I eroded? Because it's slow and it's subtle and it's silent. Because we don't want to be like Lot and run where we shouldn't run and move where we shouldn't move. And find ourselves where we never dreamed we would be. We need God's help. Um, and and so I come to that point at the end of this message. Where are you? With a decision you may be in the midst of. Where does God want you? Have you talked to him about it? Have you sought his heart on the issue? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for... Your word. Thank you for Abram. Thank you for Lot. Thank you that you love them both. Protect us, Father. Keep us near. We can't see everything. We need you to guide us. We need you to lead us. And I pray that you do that not only individually, but as a church. God, help us walk your way. What do you want of this little body of Believers King's Way? What do you want to do in us and through us for your glory? We cry out to you. Lord, this morning, maybe someone here is ready to make a decision for you. And we want to have that opportunity to, for that to be public if you choose to move. Maybe somebody for the first time that says, I am ready to trust Jesus and to say, Forgive me, God. Maybe someone else here said, I'm ready to follow Jesus in baptism. That way of personally identifying with the one who loved me enough to die on my behalf. To go under the water and say no more old me and out of the water and now it's new me. Father I pray you do that work. And Father other decisions you know what they are. Move us to you Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.